Welcome to the Elevate the Edge podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez of Lopez Research, and I'm joined with my co-host, Joe Peterson of Clarify 360. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Elevate the Edge is published bi-weekly. The podcast focuses on helping companies understand what edge computing is, how the market will evolve, and what you need to know to build successful edge computing strategies. Show notes and subscription links can be found at elevatetheedge.com slash episodes. We hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to Elevate the Edge. I'm Maribel Lopez and I'm joined here today with my fabulous co-host, Joe Peterson, the woman of many amazing glasses. Hello, Joe. Hello, Miss Maribel. Great to be here as always. And today we're joined by another great leader in technology, Patricia Schuker. She is the Vice President, Alliances and Strategic Partners at Polystorm. Patricia, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hi, Maribel. Hi, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. So Patricia is working in the cyber and energy security space. She has extensive experience with Fortune 500 and public sector environments. Uh, Her role at Polyswarm is to integrate and develop malware intelligent driven practices and policies for energy companies on local and global scales. Boy, we are all excited and could use that type of service. Uh, prior to her role, she worked at the European Commission in Brussels as a policy officer for the DG Energy, where she contributed to energy analysis and intelligence pertaining to U.S.-EU energy relations, including future challenges. And lots going on here. So excited to have you at the program. I'm just going to jump right in, Patricia. So Uh, Energy and utility CISOs and risk leaders are seeing a shift in compliance standards uh, from voluntary to mandatory, uh, monitoring both reactive and proactive. We've seen many different breaches and threats that have happened over the course of uh, the past several years. So it's all very near and dear to our hearts on the things that are going on. But where are compliance and cyber policies headed in this sector? Oh, absolutely. And that, that's a great question to start um, our conversation here. And you mentioned breaches, breaches. And, you know, I want to stress that security breaches are everyone's responsibility today. It's not just a technology problem, but also a mindset problem. And utilities must adapt to the pace of change in the digital threat landscape so as to prevent exposure to a high volume, large scale and more sophisticated attack. So at the same time, you have the challenge from regulators uh, to keep the regulation current. Uh, Certainly, regulations are extremely important to establish a common baseline of cybersecurity practices for essential services. But companies often need such regulation to justify investment, right, for the implementation of cybersecurity controls. But the the challenge lies in moving beyond regulatory compliance to an approach focused on cybersecurity risk as a whole. And I think it's the, the timeliness of our podcast today is perfect because the the, uh, the the new cybersecurity strategy is about to come out from, from the White House. Um, and that will be a, a very, very interesting one. And fortunately, I didn't get my, my, my hands on prior. It's like the novel that you, were, you really want to read mm-hmm. uh, ahead of its publication. But all I can say is I'm expecting... Um, kind of a re-architecture of our digital ecosystem and and, the, and higher emphasis on how do we create future resilience. So I think they would almost um, 
parallel the this climate strategy that we're seeing of 2030, 2040, 2050, but in a sense where we shift the burden from uh, smaller companies to big companies. And what do I mean by that? And I want to offer for your audience um, some perspective, given my my experience on the European side, um, how the EU perspective perspective versus the uh, the US perspective. Um, so if you look at NERC, um, how they they plan on you know the the strategy, the standards, the requirement imposed on power utilities in North America are the most mature, but they still suffer from a level of details and rigidity that does not always incentivize utilities to go beyond compliance with their cybersecurity programs uh, to stay ahead of evolving threats and technological innovation. Uh, Fines are regular and regular audits are mandated by requirement, and it makes all that adaptation that you mentioned, Maribel, extremely complicated. But then on the EU side, uh, which is very interesting as well and, and completely opposite to what the U.S. is doing, regulator, regulators in, in Germany or the Czech Republic, Spain, Italy and France um, have primarily advocated but not required those standards uh, to be applied to critical infrastructure, uh, essential services providers. So it really limits, um, you know, these utilities to have the ability to select which provision of the standards to implement. Um, so I think that remains, you know, a, a major a major challenge uh, on that end. But also you have the whole notion of uh, also supply chain because um, you, you mentioned breaches and I know how much supply chain has been has been extremely uh, a big conversation lately. Um, and I think more cybersecurity standards reference to supply chain security interdependencies within the electricity market uh, are really different and dependent on system operators uh, that may not be able to dictate the behavior of others by by contracts, for instance. But also you have this whole notion of cyber resilience. Um, and it's also extremely dif- difficult to, to define what resilience means in a way that is measurable. Um, so I'm, I'm extremely curious to see where uh, where that cybersecurity strategy will, will come about. Well, it's interesting. You know, it, it seems like it's a balancing act. And whatever guidance comes out from the government, um, there's still some things that energy companies should be focusing on as a best practice. What are two or three of those, in your opinion, Patricia? Yeah, so you you mentioned a good point, and and I think one is I'm I'm a big proponent of sharing and collaboration. This whole notion of public private partnership, um, I think sharing analysis and especially what we call the the uh, the sharing and analysis centers, the ISACs, uh, for utilities have been increasingly crucial for cross-border electricity entities. So you have the the electricity ISAC here in the U.S. and the European Energy uh, ISAC as well in, in Europe. So I think regulation make it possible to justify investment for the implementation of cybersecurity controls, for instance. But the challenge is going beyond regulatory compliance to an approach focused on resilience as a whole. Um, And I think the lack of preparedness um, is also extremely interesting to your point, because when you look at there's a very good there's a very interesting survey um, done by CSIS here in, in the think tank in Washington, D.C., that looked at 800 IT decision makers from several countries around the world, including the U.S., and they found that 9% of critical infrastructure operators 
don't even have a cybersecurity strategy in place, despite the fact that 85% of respondents believe they have been targeted by the nation state cyber threat. So you see how, you know, the, you, I always say you don't approach a financial sector the same way that you will approach an energy sector. The maturity level is not the same because we always focus on the big names, uh, but we don't look at the local aspect, uh, the local uh, companies out there, the, the small, medium size that don't necessarily have uh, the capabilities, but also the budget. Uh, to 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 be part of that proactive um, and reliable cybersecurity uh, management and, and risk perspective. I think you bring up a really good point, and this is around um, there is even regardless of the size of company, there may be lack of knowledge, lack of resources in the security space. That means that um, not all companies are approaching it in an equal way. You know, one of the things that um, Joe actually had found a study from PwC, uh, their 25th annual global CEO survey, and 40% of the energy utility and resource CEOs rank cyber threats as a top three concern. And Lopez Research has done a bunch of research on this as well for um, what are the top IT concerns and, you know, across different industries, usually security is one of the top three. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but given all that, you know, how are we seeing the scope of what the CISO, how do we see that scope that the CISO is uh, working with expanding in terms of how hmm. to deal with protecting assets and in this new landscape? No, absolutely. And, and the C-suite conversation and, and CISO conversation is extremely important. Um, and we always, you know, we've all experienced the, the typical answer of, oh, it's it's uh, your your CISO's priority is not my IT priority, right? So it's it's uh, it, we, we hear we tend to see that a lot. And, but in the cybersecurity industry, the more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> we pride ourselves so much on innovation. Uh, however, I think this this um, this seems like a fitting description for our current cycle of innovation, where new tools, solutions, approach come to market with some some new acronyms. Um, we keep searching CISOs, keep searching for that silver bullet, uh, but there really there really is no silver bullet in security. Uh, maybe because this is uh, we're looking at the challenge of security through the lens of a tool or solution uh, versus the broader picture of getting the pieces to work together in a single architecture. Um, but we need to remember that bad guys look at the entire playing field, defenders need to as well. Um, and I think this is extremely, extremely important. Uh, but also that also, also brings the point of the culture uh, inside a company and the whole notion of cyber hygiene. Um, you know, poor authentication makes up a substantially bigger percentage of attacks. And there's a very good report by Verizon from 2021, and they published uh, those reports on a yearly base on data breach investigation. And they found that human activity accounts for 85% of data breach. Um, so social engineering techniques like phishing uh, are used in 50% of ransomware attack. But the foundational aspect of any cybersecurity strategy must be security awareness training as a mean for the entire business behind the security cause, especially as IT, OT environment are converging even more, meaning sometimes more employees that are facing um, the, the IT environment, they can be also pipeline conduits to OT attacks. Um, so we tend to uh, to really forget that that part. Um, and 
I think the uh, the the increased discussion of of cybersecurity in the C-suite, the increased awareness of the importance of cybersecurity and the inclusion uh, of cybersecurity in IT enterprise is a positive step forward. Uh, many of the attacks uh, conducted by by cyber criminals are the results of known but unpatched vulnerabilities. We've heard that a, a lot of time, but there's an intense motivation from the private sector owners and operators to better secure the networks and detect these threats as the landscape evolves. So I believe ultimately the uh, the private sector must take ownership over security. Uh, CEO, board members, I know it's board member season right now, it's the Mm -hmm. beginning of the year, Uh, but they must make cybersecurity a priority across the companies. There's too many companies that fail to implement even the simple steps like two-factor authentication, uh, you know, to leave secure areas of, or leave a, a secure areas of a worksite unlocked. Um, but I think with the right education, the right workforce training, uh, education is critical. Um, you know, companies can really upskill workers, train employees to ensure they are as skilled and diligent about securing energy assets um, of every aspect of the work that that keeps the light the light on <laughs> and, and fuel uh, forward. I guess just to pick up on that kind of quickly, um, you know, are you seeing that anything's different in terms of how energy providers are working to secure the grid? Well, you you know, I think anyone, in my view, anyone who has the job title of keeping the lights on or securing the grid, the grid have both my admiration and full sympathy, especially in this current environment. Um, energy security has become a very frequently used term, uh, but also seems to be one of the most poorly defined. Um, and and for, the, for your audience, I would, you know, the way I would define, I think we need to kind of pause on that notion of energy security. And I see it as the low vulnerability of vital energy systems. So in that definition, there are really two main ideas packed in this definition. The first is that it's not energy security of a black box, like we tend to see it, but energy security of a specific system. So electricity security, energy security of oil using transport. And then the second idea that's packed into the definition is vulnerability. How many times do we hear vulnerability, vulnerability, patch management, right? Um, so to look at vulnerabilities, we look at how energy security concerns have changed throughout history. And we identify three persistent types of concern. The first one, the big picture, the sovereignty perspective. So answering the question of who controls energy. Um, are we, for instance, on the policy side, are we importing all of our oil from one country, from Saudi, from Russia, or are we producing it domestically? The second is how long will our energy system last? And that's the robustness perspective. And that's really, are we going to run out of energy? And is the infrastructure ready to hold up to different types of threats? And the third one is the resilience perspective, which is asking the question, okay, when we face a disruption, how fast can the system respond and recover? So future infrastructure, you know, I wish I had the answer to, you know, the the billion dollar question of how to solve the grid, but I think future infrastructure should be built to withstand that ever-changing threat environment that we're in. Scaling cybersecurity with um, the new wave of the energy transition. We talk a lot about transition, but we need to also secure that transition. Uh, is make effective and less costly um, than tackling on cybersecurity measures later. Um, so in, in the same way, you know, 
we built physical security measures today, you know, like for instance, for your house, you have perimeter fencing, you have cameras, you have access codes. Uh, we should do the same in the in the cybersecurity space, um, you know, to withstand criminals, rival nations, um, you know, and, and the occasional lapse, human lapse of, of cyber hygiene. Uh, but I think it's good to see today more public-private se- sector energy organization that view cybersecurity as an as an afterthought. Um, and I think that a, a second, um, often a second secondary responsibility uh, that is too technically, financially, or politically com- uh, complex to address. Um, so I think there's there's really a foundational aspect. Uh, on the business model that needs to be changed in order to really take the the, the idea of future infrastructure um, and security by design uh, in in perspective. That's a great answer. You know, and I was surprised. I did a little research and I wanted to see what the top three attack vectors in the energy industry were. And uh, the answers were sniffing attacks across the radio access network, ransomware, and attacks against the 5G core network. Are those surprising uh, vectors to you? What would you add? Ah, that's a very good, very good, uh, very good point that you're making, Joe, because I think um, the, you know, we speak a lot about the IoT uh, and how is, how is that supposed to transform the energy grid and support the modernization effort? Um, I think, you know, what we're seeing on the the consumer side, for instance, we see uh, spare phishing uh, that account to about 38% of the initial access vector in the OT-related uh, industries. So you have the use of attachment, the use of links. Um, but I think, like I mentioned before, the, 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 the new grid tech will have this whole security by design approach uh, to guard against uh, potential cyber incident. Um but I think the um, the you know to kind of expand more on your on your point um, when threat actors evaluate a company's attack surface, they're not thinking in terms of organizational silos. Um, I think they're probing for the right combination of vulnerabilities, misconfigurations, identifying privileges. Um, and security should not operate in silos uh, either. Um, I think, Today, as defenders, we're playing right into threat act, in, into threat actors' thre- uh, hands, um, as organizations struggle with reactive and siloed security programs. Um, we see a lot of um, a conversation on, for instance, um, XDR, uh, that is, you know, extended detection and response um, that takes data from point products in an effort to identify attack as they are happening. Uh, but I think organization needs a way to assess the efficacy of their preventive preventive program as well. Um, there's a lot of vendor fatigue as well um, because we want to kind of get all the tools out there, but how do you uh, how do you make sure that those tools uh, fit your processing pipeline? Um, so I think understanding the impact of cyber incidents required business and security leaders to really work in conjunctions with each other. Um, security needs to understand the larger mission of the organization, safeguard the tools, the assets, uh, enable the staff to complete this whole mission-critical, business-critical activity that we mentioned before, uh, but also um, make sure that you you safeguard the data uh, as much as, as possible. So I think that organization um, 
can really anticipate cyber attacks and, and communicate those risks those risks for decision support um, will be the best position to defend against emerging threats. So I think we need to examine cyber risk based on operational units, um, departmental units, uh, which will really allow for collaboration among different uh, different areas. It will save time, improve investment decisions, support, uh, and drive improvement over time. So really reducing the risk in the, uh, in the organization um, and, and prevent future attacks. Well, wow, that was a great answer. I, I think we should probably, you know, um, go to our fun fact. That's how we normally wrap up the podcast. And so I'm going to ask you, Patricia, what fun fact can you share with us today? Ah, well, I have one that I, I found a couple of weeks ago, which was actually pretty interesting and related to tech. And then I'll give you uh, an interesting definition um, that I found kind of terminology. Um, so I found out that 10 Google search can power a 60 watt light bulb. Can you imagine that? So Google, I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> So Google processes around 3.5 billion search per day, or if you want, 40,000 every second. And it takes a matter of second, right, to type or query a or, you know, press enter. Uh, but if you conduct 10 Google search, you could power a 60-watt light bulb. How crazy is that? <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere. That's, that's sort of like how many engineers does it take to <laughs> fill in the blank, right? Um, <laughs> There's, there's such a joke in there, Patricia, but that's great. I love that. that is, um, uh, it's like it's like the typical, you know, uh, an engineer and a CISO walks into a bar, right, right, and try to define try to define technology. Well, um, actually, I have a I have an answer to that, but it's not a joke. Um, I was looking, I was <laughs> I was looking at the definition of technology, right? Because we talk so much about technology, but when was it coined? Right? Who who coined it? So apparently it was in 330 BC by Aristotle. Yeah. What? I wow, know. That's great. I know. It, it it dates all the way back. So technology, you know, in the ancient times, and again, I'm taking you way, way back. <laughs> uh, but Homer and Hesiod uh had, you know, they 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 described it as the manual craft, but then Aristotle coined the Greek term technologia. Uh, technologia, right? And they he split that definition into three parts. One was the theoretical science, practical science, and productive science. And when you look at the word theory, practice, and productivity, this is pretty much what we're doing in the cybersecurity space. <laughs> they, they, so, were so, they were yeah. so ahead of their time, Patricia. Yeah. So ahead of their time. Well, we got two fun facts for the price of one from you today. Thank you so much <laughs> for that. And thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast with us. No, thank you, Joe and, and Maribel, for everything you're doing. And I'm, it was a real pleasure to uh, have that conversation with you. And uh, I hope to see you soon. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe so you can easily find us again. Follow us on Twitter at Maribel Lopez and at Digital Cloud Gal and on LinkedIn. Links to our social profiles, show notes, and ways to listen to the podcast can be found at elevatetheedge.com.